Seinfeld. The pie is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who are never sloppy when it comes to podcasting. I'm Rob Cisprino, and here is Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? You're two guys who have never washed their hands after using the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Boy, Akiva, somehow we did it. I managed to have baby number two, and we didn't even have to miss a week of the podcast. That's the way I like it. You know, I, I bragged recently that I missed like an hour of work for kid number three. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it just feels good now. We're collectively ignoring five kids to do this podcast. You yeah. know, the more the merrier. We've done it. Yeah. So we didn't have to lose any money for the charity by skipping a week of the podcast. That's right. That's right. Whether that's all, at, at, all we care about is the charity. We're very charitable. That's people. right. So here we are ready to talk about the pie. The first appearance of Poppy the first of four appearances from Poppy, I believe, in uh, Seinfeld lore. And here he is in his first stint out tonight. We're also going to talk about Poppy's daughter, Audrey, who does not like to eat pie. We're going to talk about an Elaine mannequin lookalike, George wearing a very sharp suit, and Kramer with a very itchy back, all here in 22 minutes of the pie. Yeah, it's fun. You know, Poppy is uh, is an important, you know, sort of guest star character. There's some weird recurring guest star characters that we'll talk about. You know, a couple people who turned up in major roles once and now randomly show up again <laughs> as different people. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where the canon lies here, but we'll we'll discuss. All right. So a lot to get to. Of course, this is the Seinfeld post show recap. You could subscribe to the podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. We always greatly appreciate your honest feedback in the iTunes store. Uh, you can leave us comments and star ratings, all that good stuff. And uh, we will try not to get shut down by the Board of Health. Hopefully not uh, from the iTunes store. Uh, yeah, and apparently the Board of Health arrests people, so we really <laughs> yes. have to be careful. Yes. All right. <laughs> what letter grade would our podcast get? We want honest feedback. I think we're, it, it, I don't think there's pluses or minuses, right? It's just A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I guess if it, there was a restaurant that was like a D or an F. Do we ever establish, by the way, why there are no E's in school? No. I don't know. I thought it was just F for failing. Is that what it is? I always thought like maybe E, because sometimes like when you're a kid, I don't know if you had this, but like you just get letter grades when you're in like first or second grade. Mm-hmm. So it was just like E and that it was excellent. And VG is very good and G is good. And so you think people would be like, oh, E, that's for excellent. Or- yeah, people would lie and like tell their parents that they got an excellent on their on their test. So they had to scrap the E. I think it's also kind of easy to turn an E into a B. You think that's what it was, too? I feel like I mean, well, I that, guess you can turn true. the F just as easily into a B. Yeah, almost all those letters are pretty pliable to be turned to a different letter. All right. So we're going to jump into uh, all of this stuff. Do you have any Seinfeld news? Uh, I have news uh, that's partially related to Seinfeld. So I figured in honor of your son's birth. Yes. uh, And you named your son what? Anthony. Anthony what? Anthony Joseph. Anthony Joseph. So I figured I'd go back in time, do a little research, and uh, go through all the Anthonys and Josephs in Seinfeld lore. Okay. See what I came up with. So Anthony, and I, I stretched because those are both names that are frequently shortened. So we have Anthony's and Tony's, and we have Joseph's and Joe's. Okay. I don't know. You know what you're going to call him yet? I think we're going to call him Anthony. Anthony. Okay. So, all right. So the Anthony. So first of all, the actor who played Joel Rifkin is Anthony. <laughs> okay. The actor who plays the Jimmy, who we'll see next season, is also oh, named So you don't even go by character names. You're going by the well, actor. Well, no. Mostly actor. I'm going to do character, but I, there's just a couple. Um, okay. I'm sure there's 50 Joes if I really went through every Joe. I didn't mm-hmm. do that. Um, and then, of course, we recently saw Tony as the Mimbo. Yes, yeah, Tony. Yeah. 
Uh, Kramer wins a Tony in the oh. summer of George. <laughs> yes. Uh, another Anthony one was, uh, if you remember in the junk mail in season nine, Kramer wants to trade, uh, wants to trade for Jerry's van. Mm-hmm. And he offers him uh, Anthony Quinn's undershirt that he stole while he was doing sit-ups in the park. Oh, wow. So those are your Anthony's. Those are most of your uh, Anthony uh, Seinfeld uh, related things. Good work. Um, and also uh, uh, um, Joe Pepitone yes. is a Joe. And uh, his name in real life was Anthony Joe. Oh, so who 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 knew about that? Uh, but uh, yeah, he uh, he crowded the plate, but his real name was Anthony Joe. Yeah, of course. Uh, then, Joe owned yeah. a fruit store too, right? Yeah, Joe's fruit store. <laughs> we have uh, when George has a uh, house guest, he doesn't want Susan's friend. He's the wig master working on Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes, the great play. Of course, we have Crazy Joe Devola. Of course, we have Lieutenant Joe Bookman. Who knew his first name? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Did they say? I think they must say his first name. Maybe it's they have Joe Mayo who throws bad parties, <laughs> right? And gives people jobs. And he doesn't get jiggy with it. Yeah. Um. And and then my favorite Joe is uh, in Junior Mint when uh, Jerry is trying to uh, figure out uh, Mulva's name. He says, uh, "He says I'm really falling for you, Joseph Puglia," because he looks at her. <laughs> it's her. It's her uncle's uh, idea or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's in the playbill. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. Well done, Akiva. We got uh, a lot of Anthony's and a lot of Joseph's in Seinfeld lore. All right. So let's go back and talk about The Pie, which is from February 17th, 1994, written by the ultimate twosome of Gamel and Pross. I feel like we've seen a lot of Gamel and Pross this season. Yeah, they are all over it. And so here we go. And we start off with Jerry talking about mannequins in the opening stand-up. Talks about how Mannequins are an insult to the imagination because you can't imagine how you would actually look in the shirt without seeing it on a dummy. I do wonder like when a mannequin, you know, when the first like person decided, oh, we really need mannequins to let people know what they look like. I think it's not even to let people know what they look like so much as it's an easy way to put clothes in the window without like stapling them physically to the window. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that probably at some point the first mannequin was like a stick or a tree and they just hung the garment up on that. And he said, oh, what if we give it a head and arms and sort of go from there? Did you ever see the movie Mannequin? And I already know the answer to this question before I ask it. I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. The big 80s movie where uh, the guy, I believe it's one of the guys from uh, Weekend at Bernie's that he is uh, then falls in love with a mannequin in the store and she comes to life. I believe it's Kim Cattrall is the mannequin. Oh, I must have missed that one. Yeah, there's a guy, Hollywood who's uh, this, uh, he is a, uh, a designer in the store. He's like a big deal. And they made Mannequin 2, and the only guy that comes back is Hollywood. What, did Mannequin 2 win all the Oscars? No, 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 no. Okay. No Oscars, no Tonys for Mannequin. I would, they could get the full EGOT, Mannequin 2. Yeah. No, Mannequin is really just one of those uh, terrible uh, 80s movies. Andrew McCarthy, yeah. He oh, is, yeah, he's in every bad 80s movie. <laughs> yeah, he is the main character. And uh, I believe that is also uh, Kim Cattrall is uh, the mannequin. She is a mannequin. Yeah, there was like a, some. She was like some from some uh, like ancient Egypt type thing, and they put like a spell on her, and then uh, the, the spell like turned her into a mannequin, and she ends up like in a store, and then he does something, and then it makes her become a real person. Oh boy, it sounds really like <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah, and then hilarity ensues. It's a romantic comedy. Oh, it sounds very romantic. Is it like a good date movie? Should I show it to my wife? I think you and your wife would enjoy it. Yeah, I'm sure. Good. All right. So 
Then Jerry is talking about how with the mannequins is either two jobs, either being in a store or being crash test dummies. And then uh, it starts to go on like a little bit of like an anti PC riff talking about how he thinks that there's some group out there that thinks mannequins should be called the life deprived. Yeah, it's funny because he sets up like a huge punchline there and then the life deprived kind of falls flat. Yeah, yeah. But a little bit of a window into Jerry's views on political correctness about, you know, 20 years early. Yeah, that's right. I, I, he was he, you know, it's not like he's a cranky old man. I guess he always felt this way. Yeah. All right. So we start the episode. We're off in Monks and here's Jerry on a date and he is with uh, the lovely Audrey. Now, you say that is she somebody who's been on the show before? Yeah. So our two main sort of guest stars um, are both uh, other than Poppy, of course, are both uh, actors who we've seen in like not just in background roles before. So mm-hmm. Audrey is played by Suzanne Snyder. And in season three in the limo, she was Eva, like the, oh. the you know, the, the female in the limo. Yeah, the neo-Nazi. Yeah, so that's like a meaty role. So it's funny to have her back two seasons later. Yeah, that's why we didn't recognize her. And you're more perceptive about these things than I am. And yeah, you knew I who she you was. Either. Yeah, and I didn't know. Yeah. And then uh, the sales lady is yeah. played by Christine Dunford. Yes. And right? she's, she? she's uh, the Russian sales lady in this in this no, uh, who episode. Who else is she, though? She was a, a like a real main character in the baby shower. She was the evil Leslie. Oh, well, through the chocolate on George, the one who had the baby shower, you yes. know, who made George carry the stuff downstairs at the end of the episode. So well, that's, you know, that's really like she went from, you know, she was like one of the star of that episode, basically. Yeah. Well, she was playing a much different character and she had like a big baby bump and she has like an accent in this episode. So this one, I think, is a little more forgivable. Yeah. There's no way someone I mean, other than she has like she's sort of physically imposing, like she looks like a huge person. Yeah. In in both. Uh, you're right. She's pregnant, fake pregnant there. But, you know, they sort of they sort of shoot her to be this like giant. Maybe she is really tall. And I, I guess she is mm-hmm. uh, She's certainly towering over George. But. It's a little, you know, and, and the, in hindsight, her Russian accent here is not exactly top notch. They no. could have just found a Russian actress. All right. So we have Jerry and Audrey. They are at Monks. They are on a date. And there is this big thing that ends up unfolding over apple pie. Jerry says Monks has the best apple pie in the city. I find this to be odd that here in season five, we are discovering uh, this sort of big fact about monks are the best apple pie in the city and yet we never hear about the monks apple pie again after this yeah i mean it you know when you're at a diner there's so many things on the menu it could take you years just to get up to the apple pie yeah now Kivu, everybody who listens to this podcast knows you are an apple pie connoisseur would you say that it looks like monks has the best apple pie in the city they don't really zoom in on it that much but it actually looks like a decent piece of pie yeah what are the things you're looking for in the city's greatest apple pie I mean, to be the city's greatest apple pie, you need, I mean, first of all, I, the problem is I don't cook. So I'm sure like there's a certain type of apple that's hmm. much better for apple pies. I don't yeah. know if it's like the greens or the reds, but I can't, I can't answer that because I don't know. I don't apples. I don't think it's like red delicious. I don't think that's necessarily. Oh, really? Apple. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, I'm, I'm like the last person to ask about that stuff. Um, but I do think the crust like is, you know, it's got to be, it's got, it can't be like too crumbly or else the apple pie looks like a disaster when you serve it. I want to say we Granny to, like, Smith is what you're looking for. Yeah. I think so. But that's not that's not my go-to apple if I'm just like snacking on an yeah, apple. Yeah, it's a different apple you want. Yeah. But um I mean it is possible like you know, but it would be on like their they would have a sign on the door, you know, city's best apple pie. 
You want ice cream on this apple pie or you want Yeah, if you have it a la mode, that's not bad. But maybe they have the city's worst ice cream. I'm not sure. (laughs) That's very possible. So Jerry tries to get Audrey to have the apple pie. She doesn't want it. And Jerry says, oh, are you full? She says, no, she's just had enough. And she does this very odd, like, head shaking motion. Jerry is trying to force the pie onto her. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. She won't taste it. Come on, try it. She won't. We never find out in the episode what the problem was. We never find that. And it's very strange because this episode, more than many, goes so far out of the way to, you know, to like tie in loose ends, like even even eschewing the, uh, you know, the closing the closing uh, stand up act for, you know, another scene at the end. This is the post marine biologist era. There's no excuse for not tying up loose ends here. Yeah, but I did see a good theory on Reddit as to why Audrey does not try the apple pie. I have my own theory as well. That I really thought about this today. I want to hear yours. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's go a little bit further down the road, and I'll tell you my theory, and then and then tell the Reddit theory after. Uh, I, I I don't know if I'll be able to wait, but let's try it. Okay. So before you tell me the Reddit theory, let me jump in with my theory because I was driving around picking my kid up from school today. I was like, why doesn't she eat the pie? And I, I can't. I think I have something. Did you explain to your son the situation and try and get his opinion? He was sleeping. Oh, okay. <laughs> He was he was uh, asleep within two minutes of me picking up from school. And obviously we can add this to the list of, of things. This is a, an easy yes or no type question for Jerry that he'll be able to answer when yeah. we get him on the, on the blower. OK, so Jerry and George are back in Jerry's apartment. They're talking about this. And Jerry is saying about she wouldn't eat the pie. George is asking, would she say why? No. And so maybe she's diabetic, George says. And Jerry says, no, she wasn't diabetic. She carries Entenmann's donuts in her purse. Now, this seems very odd to me as well. Yeah, I mean, I never really judge what women have in their purse. But I, I feel like if you have, and, and he's saying donuts, like she has, does she have a six, like a box of six? Does she have, you know, two at all times? I think you would need to carry the donuts in the box because that would be, they would just get like really like mashed up in the purse. Mashed up or they'd get everything messy if they're not in like, you know, I mean, if they're just in a Ziploc bag, they're going to get smushed. If they're in like an open bag, every, you know, the powder, because some of the, you know, they come in like the variety pack, right? So you have like the bland sort of beige ones. Yeah. But then you have the powdered ones that's going to get all over. You have the black ones like the with the white inside. The chocolate covered donut? Yeah, the chocolate has like a yellowish inside. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never tried it. It actually is probably in my bottom five foods I would ever try. But What, a donut or a chocolate covered donut? The, the Entenmann's chocolate donut. I don't know. To me, that's like, uh, it like makes me cringe. I that's don't know. That's good. What, what makes you cringe? I know you don't like chocolate, but you can't even like imagine why that would be good. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about that donut. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather eat the Entenmann's chocolate donut or watch Mannequin 1 and 2 back to back? Oh, for sure. I'd watch Mannequin 1 and 2. Wow. I might do that even, you know, while I eat a good donut. And then rank them after. Well, I, I'm sure one is better than two. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I've made it through Mannequin, too. I mean, do you think they're going to reboot Mannequin at a certain mm, point? That could be interesting. We could reboot Mannequin. Yeah, I think Mannequin reboot might be good. Maybe let's not spend as much time as we did with the Back to the Future no, reboot No, we don't have to cast it or anything because I've never seen it. I, I yeah. won't be able to help. Well, maybe it. after you see it, we could reboot it. Because I think that sort of like in that Hunger Games type, uh, like sort of like preteen, like twilight sort of uh, milieu, I think that we could sort of like uh, maybe reignite this story in the young adult world. Yep. Uh, it, it sounds a little bit like Splash. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, here's the thing. Here's, here's what we're going to do to reboot Mannequin. The Mannequin is going to be a guy in the reboot. Oh, boy. So 
we have this young woman sort of like, you know, sort of like this young Anne Hathaway type where it's like uh, she's just got to New York City. She's an interior designer. And then she uh, falls for this uh, perfect guy who's the mannequin. Uh, We think one of the Hemsworth brothers, maybe could be could be. But I think that it speaks to, uh, you know, that it's like, you know, it's the design and fashion and then, uh, you know, her design. She's becoming like a big up and coming designer because the plot in the actual movie Mannequin, the guy, he's like becoming well known for making like very intricate displays in the mall window. Like nobody cares about that. But if this was no, like, no, no, you want. Yeah, because here you could with your idea, you can get the whole Devil Wears Prada crowd. Yeah. It's almost like a spin off. She could be putting things on social media, Instagramming the mannequin like the mannequin could really take off on social media. You think the mannequin would have more followers than she had? Maybe, maybe. And people like are trying to steal the mannequin and stuff like that. So it really, I think, could uh, and it would be the twist would be it's mannequin. This one. Oh, oh like, so you mean in, in like the ads, the M-A-N is in really big letters. Yeah, or a different color. Lowercase. Yeah, something like that. A little That's bit, of, a little bit of a reboot on the mannequin. The twist. We're not going Seth MacFarlane here, right? We're doing a little more serious. <laughs> I'm saying this is not like a Ted movie. No, no, it's not. It's not a, you know, like a like a sort of like a gross out comedy. No. Okay, we're gonna be classy. Yeah. All right. So here comes Elaine, and they tell Elaine very quickly about the story with the pie, and Elaine's response is, uh, "Yeah, get rid of her right away. <laughs> Dump, Dump her. That it was a little bit of a Lycus-ish. Yeah dump that lady <laughs> yeah i thought that was very funny that elaine is just very quick to say no dump her she says she once dumped a guy for not offering her a piece of pie he wouldn't have even offered her a hero <laughs> elaine also has a pebble in her shoe george uh, and jerry are very blown away that a woman has a pebble in her shoe is that an odd thing that a woman wouldn't get a pebble in her shoe no i think it's odd to think that a woman wouldn't get a pebble in her shoe yeah seems weird i mean maybe if you're wearing boots like you're probably less likely to have a pebble but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so here comes Kramer. He comes in. He's trying to move Elaine's arms around. And he says that there's a mannequin that is at a store somewhere else in the city that looks exactly like you. It's like they chopped off your arms and legs, dipped you in plastic and screwed you back together and stuck you on a pedestal. And she's like really excited about this. I feel like 99% of the population would just, okay, that's nice and move on with their lives. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And the name of the store is Rainitzi. Renitzi? Yeah, they only they say it once and oh, like, oh, that's a terrible store name. And the other problem that's going on here is that Kramer took the couch cushion covers off his couch and he was just sitting on sort of like the foam. Yeah, it was very itchy. It was very itchy. <laughs> Made his back very itchy. And he's uh, scratching his back with a spatula. Uh, that is going to be one of the uh, Kramer storylines in this episode of uh, the lengths that Kramer has to go through to get his back scratched. George has a big interview coming up this week. He has his second interview with Mackenzie. Akiva, do you have any ideas about what Mackenzie is? I mean, I'd like to think that they're importer exporters, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know what they are because it's almost like some sort of like they talk about Mackenzie almost like it's like some sort of like firm. Like, oh, I've got this big uh, interview with Mackenzie. But they get to the same sort of thing with Penske. I mean, it's not McKinsey, right? They're not doing consulting. I don't know. I have no idea. But George has the second interview with them and uh, he needs to look good. So he wants to get a suit to go on his interview. Uh, yeah. I mean, George, George is a no suit type of guy, right? He doesn't own a suit at this point. Yeah. They're taking him out to lunch this upcoming Friday, which is going to be a plot point later on in the episode. Okay. So we go to the store. George and Elaine are at the store and Elaine is staring at the mannequin 
And it's like, oh my God, it looks exactly like me. Now, I feel like if this was real, I feel like a person often says, oh, that looks nothing like me. And it's like other people can say, no, that looks exactly like you. And I feel like that we don't know the sound of our own voice. It's hard to imagine something that something looks like. My brother got me a bobblehead doll. And I said, this looks nothing like me. But then other people say, oh, that looks exactly like you. Yeah, I don't know much about women. No, that's all I have to say. I don't know much about women. No, I don't. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I don't know much about women. But one thing I know is like, you're never supposed to say like, oh, you look exactly like, even if it's like Angelina Jolie in her prime right? Mm-hmm. You never say that because women will always be offended by whatever they think like is her worst aspect or whatever. It's never a good idea, right? Probably not. You shouldn't even say this to, to Elaine because let's say she thinks like the mascot, the mannequin is ugly or whatever. That being said, the, the show did a really good job of making a mannequin that looks like Elaine. Yeah, the hair really sells it. That's, they really do a good job with recreating the Elaine hairstyle. Uh, yeah, I would like to see like a whole behind the scenes of the making of the mannequin. <laughs> They did a good job. So Elaine is asking the saleswoman, uh, where did the mannequin come from? She doesn't know. Now, would any salesperson know where the mannequin comes from? I feel like that that seems like a pretty valid response to me. Yeah, I mean, like she shouldn't even have humored her. You know, if this is a chain, then the manager probably doesn't even know, right? You wouldn't think so. And if it's just one store, then the only person to know would maybe be the owner or like the main manager. I mean, it's such a, and even the manager might not know. It's like, I don't know. We just, you know, placed it order from the mannequin place. I, you know, we don't pick who our mannequins are. Meanwhile, George is trying on a suit. The saleswoman tells him about the suit, that the suit is fabulous. It's a perfect fit. It's the last one we have. Was the saleswoman blowing smoke for George? Maybe it's the last one that's a 40 short that's in his size. So do you think that it really did look good or do you think that she was just trying to let me just try to move this suit? Well, she's oh, she's definitely trying to move it because she says from like 15 feet away, like, oh, that's perfect before she even really sees it. Yeah, she's not even looking at him. So she's definitely trying to move it. But I, I, I do think George would have seen like lying around maybe another, you know, s- stores don't carry an endless amount of the same suit, I don't think. Probably not. Elaine is getting a little frustrated about not getting any answers about the mannequin. And so she keeps trying to interrupt the woman and the woman, the salesperson kind of rolls her eyes and Elaine catches her, wants to know, uh, did you roll your eyes at me? It's a really good Elaine rant here also. Yeah, because let me tell you something. If anybody should be rolling their eyes, it's me at him about you. So Elaine seems like she can read through the BS in the salesperson. Uh, yeah, no, Elaine is, Elaine is a tough customer, but the saleswoman is, you know, first of all, the saleswoman here is, uh, is a little intimidating. I, I wouldn't mess with her. Yes. And so the saleswoman says to Elaine, don't flatter yourself. She's wearing this uh, $1,200 dress. And then Elaine sort of gets in her face and, uh, says to her, listen, Natasha, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing your crummy little Euro trash rags. A little bit of a racist uh, sort of uh, tirade by Elaine, no? Oh, it's very racist. You can't just like, you know, if you said to me, like, listen, you know, Shmully. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you know it, yeah, it's for sure. For whatever reason, certain na- like certain things like, all right, it's not so bad to say, like, you can make fun of Europe and Euro trash and you can make fun of Russian name. But yeah, I, I think this would not fly nowadays. And it's a little maybe. it. But here's the thing. Maybe she is being racist. Maybe the show is just showing her being racist you know maybe we're not they're not good people elaine is going downtown to yell at them about a mannequin it's not like (laughs) why are we letting our protagonists look bad here we have to protect them yeah now 
do you think is it less racist that she's calling her the character of Natasha from like the Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon who was sort of like this uh, sort of like Russian villain character? I'm sure you're not uh, super familiar with the Bullwinkle cartoon, but is that any better? Yeah, yeah. If she's making a reference to a particular person, but it's a Russian person. Yes, a Russian character on that show. It's a little better, but it's still racist. Yeah. I hear you. Euro trash does not help it either. No. And for some reason, that's not like any kind of slur. I don't think like even now. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think you could get away with saying that on TV, mm-hmm. but it doesn't help her case. You're right. She's being she's being too mean. OK, so Elaine ends up leaving. George tries to act like he doesn't know her. And so he wants to uh, get this suit. But then he sees that the price tag is is uh, what is it? Do they ever say is it just like one of those no, things? He just says party's over. Party's over. But the thing is, there's an unadvertised sale at the store and that suit is going to be half off this Friday. Yeah. And by the way, unadvertised sales, I'm no businessman, but I feel like that literally defeats the purpose of a sale, right? Yeah, it really does. Unless it's like some sort of like shady deal or they're trying to cook the books or Friday. It's like the last day of the month and they're trying to like make their goals. But I think uh, who knows? I don't work in retail. Yeah, I mean, it's like I'm going to walk into your store, Rob, and I'm willing to pay five hundred dollars for this suit. And you're like, guess what? It's two fifty. I'm like, OK, I was paying five hundred. Well, I didn't know about the sale because it's unadvertised. She didn't tell him about the sale until he said, "Whoa, that's too rich for my blood. So if he was going to buy the suit today, she probably wouldn't have told him about the unadvertised sale. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If he's willing to buy it, there's no way she tells him that's true. So then he says, OK, well, could you put it aside? She says, no. We have to be fair. So George is going to uh, basically try to start staking out the suit that he wants to get to wait till the sale on Friday. So we go back to the diner. Elaine's there and she's talking about this mannequin. She can't believe it. She doesn't even know how this happened. And Jerry is sort of infatuated with the women who are eating a piece of apple pie in the next booth. And he's not even listening to her story. And she actually gets rather pissed off about this. Yeah, but Jerry's in his own world here. And then she doesn't even want to tell Jerry the story anymore. Yeah, we've both been there. (laughs) No, I'm listening. I'm listening. And then you're like, what did I say? And then you repeat like the last three words the person said. Yeah. And so Jerry gets up and he asks the woman, I see that you offered her a piece of your pie and you said, no, can I ask why? She said, "Uh, because I'm full. And you told her, yes. And the woman says, well, well, I'm not some sort of psycho. And uh, Jerry's like, exactly. You see? Thank you. And he actually offers to leave the tip, puts like $5 on the table and walks away. Is what Jerry did, is that a classy move? Is, as Elaine puts it, is, do we know who the psycho is now? I mean, it is a crazy thing to do, but yeah, why it's classy. You know, he's interrupting these lovely ladies uh, lunch and mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, he, he thanks them for their time. It's not necessary. They seem to be, you know, they, they were interested in having this conversation with this strange man, but, uh, you know, George would be horrified that Jerry left the tip. All right. Kramer is here, too. He wants Elaine to scratch his back. She says, no, no scratching the back. Kramer tries to entice her, says it will be a little funky adventure. He tells her. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Kramer telling someone, you know, offering a funky adventure is really a, a good selling point. <laughs> OK, so Jerry, he's not into scratching Kramer's back, but we end up seeing Olive the cashier. So we have this woman who's always the cashier on Seinfeld. What is this woman's name? Do you know? Well, it's the actress I think is Ruthie Cohn. I don't know if she, if she goes by a name usually. 
And what does she have? Like some sort of like intern or take your daughter to work day of Olive? Maybe she's just like out sick or something. Uh, she's there. She's in the episode. Oh, she is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I mean, you know, maybe they needed extra help behind the desk. Maybe Olive, maybe Ruthie got promoted for this episode. I mean, uh, it, it's a good question. I'm not sure. So Olive is this uh, young blonde woman and she has what appear to be like sort of like fake fingernails that are like an inch long. Uh, yeah, if, if, uh, if not eight, I mean, she's, she's like way over the top. She's similar. Who's, who is she similar to that we saw a couple weeks ago? Hmm. What was the episode? I don't, I, I don't remember. It's somebody who's also, uh, the one, oh, that, the, the, the lady that, that I thought Jerry was into and that you didn't think so, but then Chester, it was last week. <laughs> Carol Kane? That it was, she has a little, she's a little bit of a young Carol Kane, this lady. Yeah, well, I think that she's probably uh, more aesthetically pleasing than uh, sure, the but King. but I, she ha- her sort of that's like her style icon a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. And so uh, Kramer ends up talking to her, and uh, he wants her to scratch the back, and she's going to do it, and he's very excited about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you know. I guess she, she you know, there's still a little residue Kavorka there that she's interested in. So then we end up going back to the suit store. And uh, George walks in and he ends up seeing a man who almost is uh, somewhere of a cross between George and Newman, who is in the store and uh, trying on the suit. Yeah, they're basically casting uh, a George foil, like a guy who's, you know, a little dumpy, like balding, short, fat. Yes. Uh, this guy, his name is uh, Mark Beltzman. Is he in anything else? Um. I, I don't know. I mean, they don't really name him in the episode, right? Although he's credited as Bob. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not super familiar. I mean, I see he's uh, his IMDb page. He did a lot of uh, according to Jim. Oh, good for which, him. You know, it's probably probably the best show ever made. And um, he, he played a convertible owner in Speed Two Cruise Control. Okay, good for him. All right, so here he is. I'm trying to figure out if he's the uh, principal in uh, Billy Madison. Um, I don't. Oh, yeah. He, he played Jack in Billy Madison. OK, yeah. So that's the purple blob. And he was in the pilot of uh, of Kerbal. So. Yeah, he's a familiar looking guy. And so uh, there he there he is. Oh, wait, no. Is he uh, is he not the principal in, in uh, Billy Madison? He's, uh, he's definitely one of the leads in Billy Madison. Yeah, I think he's his friend, uh, but he's not the guy who I thought yeah, he I haven't was. seen Billy Madison in a long time. Yeah. So uh, he's one of Billy's friends. That's like uh, hanging out with Billy and Norm Macdonald. I think he's not one of the kids in the class. <laughs> No, I don't think so. But good for uh, Mark Beltzman for uh, making some other uh, appearances in his career. And so he wants the same suit and he's trying it on. And just like George, he finds out that uh, the suit is going to be too expensive. But George tries to do a, a pretty baller move here. He pretends he's like somebody from the store and uh, tells him, uh, no, 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 no. This suit is uh, not right for you. I like, like are all the employees Russian that he has to pretend to be a Russian when he hasn't even met the saleswoman yet. See, I thought he was doing sort of like a French accent. It's possible. I mean, either way, he's missing. <laughs> so the guy's like, do you work here? And he's like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Should he have gone through with it? Should he have kept up the yeah, road? Yeah, he could have he gone through with it. <laughs> yeah, and so the guy's like, what business of it is yours? And so he's like, hey, I'm doing you a favor. There's an unadvertised sale. That starts on Monday. And the guy's like, oh, really? And then the saleswoman says it actually starts on Friday. And George has a really good line, which I like. He says, uh, you know, honey, for an unadvertised sale, you're doing a lot of yapping about it. Yeah, I, I, this is a great move from George. He just, you know, he, he was unlucky that 
it was within earshot of the saleswoman. Yeah. Because you know, the guy comes back Monday and that's it. So then the saleswoman starts taking the dress off the Elaine mannequin. And then George sees the Elaine mannequin topless and uh, he seems rather infatuated with it. Now, let's go back to a conversation that you and I had way, way back, I believe. Uh, what is it? What episode is it with the Christmas card? Uh, the pick. The pick. And so we talked about when George didn't get a Christmas card from Elaine, was George upset that he did not get a Christmas card from Elaine or was he upset that he did not get a chance to see Elaine's nipple? You said that you thought George was upset that he didn't get the Christmas card. I thought that he was upset because he didn't get the nipple picture. And I feel like that this is some evidence to support the nipple theory. Yeah, but he could have seen the nipple picture whenever he wanted. He could have. I mean, Kramer would have like given him the card if he wanted, I'm sure. Also, I don't think people were giving those up. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> he could have made it. He could have gone to the store and made a photocopy or Remember something. Elaine's nephew had to hide it under his bed. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, I mean, I think it was a little bit of both, but this is definitely, uh, you know, a point in your favor. Yeah. A little disappointed that this doesn't have any other sort of ramifications in the story. No, I mean, there's a lot that they're getting to here. You know, th- there's some like real fully formed. Uh, you know, this is almost like the B story and this is such a fully formed story. So there's only so much you get to in 22 minutes, but yeah, it is definitely a thing that it would have been funny if they pursued more, but I guess it was too sort of like, will they, or won't they, you know, sitcom-y for them to really care about. Okay. So let's go to Poppy's first time we see Poppy's restaurant. Jerry is there with Audrey. And so Audrey's father is Poppy. He owns the restaurant not really believable as a uh, Manhattan bistro, right? I mean, it's a weird restaurant, right? Because it looks like it's kind of looks like a big restaurant, mm-hmm. but it also is a little deli-ish. Like they have apple pie, they have pizza. Like I don't, what, I don't know what type of restaurant this is. Yeah, it looks more like an LA place, I think, than a Manhattan place. But we'll go with it. And it's sort of like this uh, dining area where you can sort of see what's going on. In the kitchen, you know, this is, uh, you can see when Poppy is like working with the dough front, but there's a maitre d'. So there's a lot of stuff going on here. And so Jerry's with Audrey and we see that Jerry's going through the menu and he says, oh, you have apple pie here. You've had it. And she says, of course I've had the apple pie. I've had it many times. And so he starts asking her about the other day with the pie and about how he can't get past it. She has donuts in her purse. He knows she likes sweets. Why won't she talk about the pie? Why won't she tell him why she wouldn't taste it? And she just says, can we drop this? She won't even give him an answer. Yeah. Um, do you want to give me your theory now? All right. So here's what I'm thinking. So Audrey, of course, works very closely with her dad, Poppy. We know that Poppy has apple pie <laughs> on the menu Perhaps Poppy is like sort of a, well, I don't want to say a bad guy, but maybe abusive is the wrong word, but maybe, you know, Poppy was like a strict father and he was always like trying to, you know, tell his kids that his stuff is the best and he would like lose it if anybody ever said that any of the desserts that he would make are better than, or anybody else's apple pie is better than his apple pie. So he would forbid his daughter from, you know, even trying anything else because his stuff had to be the best. And that's why she's walking around sneaking donuts in her purse. But maybe there might've been somebody at monks that day who was like an associate of poppies or somebody who would have seen her eating an apple pie that wasn't poppies, apple pie. 
And then that would have gotten back to Poppy and he would have just blown his top. Poppy losing his toppy would be a, a terrible thing for everybody involved. And that's why she can't eat the pie with Jerry. And she also doesn't want to tell Jerry about all this baggage about everything going on with Poppy. What do you think of that? I thought it's a little convoluted because it involves basically a spy in the restaurant mm. or, or not as not a spy, but a, you know, basically someone who's going to snitch on her. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's the germ of like a good idea here. So the Reddit theory is it's from uh, the static base. And he said, we're bass. I don't know. He says, uh, because she doesn't like to support anyone else's apple pie, since she's proud of the fact that her dad's apple pie is the best in the city. And I guess she's offended by the idea that uh, Monks has the best apple pie. However, yeah. she goes back to try the apple pie another time. Kramer spots her in the restaurant. So why would she go back and support Monk's apple pie another time unless there was a spy in the restaurant when she's there with Jerry? Yeah, so this, so this obviously helps your spy theory. I, to me, it's like, what if she doesn't, if she doesn't want to admit it to Jerry because she, it's so important to her, for her to, you know, for Jerry to think, oh yeah, Poppy's apple pie is better than Monk's, but she does want to try it. You know, mm. maybe if they're doing something right, she can go back and tell her dad. I don't know if she could tell her dad. He'd probably be mad that she tried a different apple pie. Yeah. You know, unless he's not crazy, in which case he wouldn't care. There's something there with, uh, you know, her family being in the restaurant business. You know, the apple pie has to be made the certain way. The other thing I was thinking of that maybe like the curiosity got to her that Jerry said it was so good. Maybe she was like going there after the fact and she was like going to be like, oh, what are they doing with their apple pie? That makes it so great. I'm going to go back and tell Poppy so that he can change his recipe. Right. Because why is she going to her boyfriend's uh, favorite diner alone and having apple pie? That's like a strange thing to do. Yeah. So I feel like we're on to something here. We're onto something. It might be nothing, but we're onto something. <laughs> Either way, it makes her seem like a really like shady person. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. There's really we don't really get a ton about Audrey here, but you know, not not a lot to like here. All right, so here we go. Here comes Poppy, and uh, we meet him. Overall, let's just get your take as we you know are in the era where we're starting to meet more and more of these recurring characters. What's your take, big picture, broad strokes on Poppy? Okay, so I mean, Pop. This is clearly not Poppy's main episode. He's just a side character here, you know. Or when he comes back, it's without Audrey, uh, and of course, his most memorable moment is peeing on the couch. So we don't see much of him here, but he does become. See, I feel like Poppy is getting a little sloppy. Is uh, the bigger moment for him? Right, right. Yes, yeah, so that's Jerry's line. And again, Pop, Poppy doesn't do anything here in the whole episode other than not wash his hands. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, what, what is the actor doing? That's so great. But yeah, it, it, you know, he, he sets up for a, you know, every time we see someone and there aren't a ton of recurring characters at this point, other than, you know, outside the family and Newman. But every time we see someone like at the end of this episode, it's, it's almost like, Oh, sweet, a familiar face. And it makes it better. Um, so we do see Poppy uh, three more times after this. And uh, you know, he definitely improves next time we see him in the couch. Okay, so Poppy is now a part of the world and he is going to uh, make something special for them for dinner. So Jerry goes to the bathroom and then uh, as Jerry is washing his hands, Poppy comes out of the stall and he's sort of like adjusting himself. He's zipping up his fly. He's like combing his hair with his hands. And he says, uh, you know, Jerry, tonight I'm going to make a you a real treat for you and my Audrey. 
And then he leaves without washing his hands. And, you know, there's really like there's a sign in the background. Please wash your hands right behind Jerry. So they really are very much uh, on the nose with this. And Jerry has a, a very funny reaction to Poppy leaving. Yeah, you know, we, we like to rip on Jerry's acting sometimes, but he's really good here without saying a word. Now, in defense of Poppy, is it not possible that Poppy has a kitchen that before he starts cooking, he washes up in that sort of sink in the kitchen? I feel like Jerry goes out and watches him and that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So he just follows him like a hawk going into all that. Is it possible? I guess Purell wasn't invented or anything like that. I mean, I mean you shouldn't just Purell after using the bathroom. I feel like it's better than nothing, right? I think it is nothing, Purell. But yeah, I guess it is probably better than nothing. <laughs> it's raw alcohol. Kills yeah, well, germs. So what do you do if you're in the situation? If I'm Jerry? Yeah, if you're Jerry, do you eat the food? I think I would at least make the effort, yeah. Because you're ending the relationship, basically, by not trying the food. Mm-hmm. But he's already sort of... Uh, broken up about the whole thing with the pie to begin with so maybe this was sort of like it was going south anyway yeah he's cutting his losses but i mean i guess you could say to poppy like oh you forgot to wash your hands and then he'll wash his hands Mm -hmm. or he won't and he's a nut yeah and then that's a good excuse to get out of the relationship anyway like i don't think your dad washed his hands well should she come should he come back to the table now and tell her that poppy didn't wash his hands as she'd be like oh jerry no of course he does you're you must be mistaken yeah, you weren't looking or something. Yeah, I think that the point that you do it is when Poppy brings the pizza out. No, because you don't want to embarrass Poppy in front of her. She's standing <laughs> well, there feeding them. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good call. Jerry should just say he has a phone call and just run out of the restaurant. I mean, too bad there's no cell phones. You could be like, ah, my uncle's in the hospital. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then uh, we come back and Jerry is watching Poppy make the food with his ring on and he's like handling the dough and a very uh, funny and gross scene with Poppy cooking the food. Yeah, you really feel it there. (laughs) All right. So uh, here's Kramer. We see him uh, picking up with uh, Olive. He's bringing her flowers. Yeah, he brings her some flowers. Uh, over at Monk's, and uh, he's going to see her tomorrow. So, uh, again, this is a uh, blooming romance for uh, Kramer and Olive. I mean, why does he need to bring her flowers? Like, she's so into him, and he's clearly not interested in her for anything other than the back scratching. So I'm not even sure why he bothers. This is the, we have nothing for Kramer in this episode. I mean, he makes the most out of like when people are scratching his back of like, sort of just like melting into the ground, but he really has nothing to do and no business in this episode. No, he is like the D storyline here. And you're right. It probably started as like, all right, what does Kramer do? Okay. He is an itch and he takes Jerry spatula. Right. right? And then it's like, Oh no, we need a a little more meat than that. Or Michael Richards is going to go nuts. Right. Or Michael, right. Michael Richards. Well, who knows what will start yelling at us. Um, and uh, and so, you know, they're like, OK, we'll give him a girlfriend that's sort of like shoehorned into pre-existing scenes. Right. Because if you think about it, that's what it is. Like other than this brief cutaway, like I bet that this storyline happens like very late in the process. Yeah. They just got to attack it. Everything in. that happens happens during other scenes, except for this scene, which is thrown in as two seconds long. Yeah, I wonder if we could find a spot to use him in any of the other storylines as we go along here. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm like he right, he could go to the you know he could go to the suit store and have something wacky going on there, but I'm not sure. Yeah, 
they end up getting him involved with the mannequin storyline at the end of the episode. And I think that's actually going to be one of my complaints about the episode that it ends on the Kramer note and considering that his story was the worst of the four stories in the episode, but uh, we'll get to that point. So we see a scene where now Poppy is bringing out the pizza. Jerry is shaking his head. No, just the same way that Audrey was with the apple pie back at Monk's. Yeah, and this is Barry, Jerry back to being a terrible actor. <laughs> he won't eat it. He won't eat the pizza. He's just shaking his head violently. Okay. So now we end up seeing George and Jerry eating the cereal. That's sort of like a funny moment. Uh, Jerry and George both eating the cereal together in unison on the couch. Yeah, while watching TV. Been there. (laughs) And so Jerry is talking about like what was going on when uh, Poppy was kneading that dough. It was a real scene. Uh, Yeah. And I I like when I like when uh, George says that like he's basically mentally ill, like a chef that doesn't wash their hands is it's like a cop who steals. <laughs> and Jerry says, could you at least for my sake, just turn the water on, pretend you're doing something. And George says, yeah, like I do. Yeah. I mean, I think, right. If you rinse for a half second, no one's going to call you out on it. Right. Yeah. Because nobody's like, oh, let's see how, how long he's rinsing for. So if you literally just get your fingertips wet, you're never going to get called out on it. Right. It's the kind of thing about like you're running to first base. Like there's a certain speed at which people don't think you're dogging it. It's true. It, yeah, uh, you're right. You have to at least like move your arms and legs and, and make people think you're running. That's right. So Kramer comes back. He's got the spatula. He talks about how great Olive is with the back scratching. He says that she's a maestro. Ooh, is she the maestro? <laughs> Does she have a condo in Naples? Yeah. So uh, a little, little flash forward here. Yeah. And so Kramer is asking George about the mannequin because George is going to go back downtown. And George says the last time he saw the mannequin, she was naked. And And it's uh, such an aside. And he says it's so creepily. (laughs) Yeah. And Jerry says, uh, yeah. And Poppy's got problems. Yeah. I mean, he really says it like a like a creep. What time of day is this? I mean, it's got to be early in the morning. They're eating cereal. George is heading over to the suit store. Did George sleep at Jerry's house the night before? I mean, maybe he just wakes up and comes over. Or maybe they're having cereal for lunch, which I do frequently. Yeah. Or maybe the suit store was in the city. And I, I mean... Because how, how early is the suit store opening? I guess the suit store could open at 9. Could open at 9. I feel like maybe George was afraid he was going to get stuck in traffic. So he left really early to come to Jerry's house and had cereal there trying to kill time. It's not like George to like 20 minutes beforehand also say, oh, I got to get down there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the type to, to camp out before you ever have you ever camped out before anything I'm trying to think i don't believe so like go you know like i'm gonna be there eight hours early for this tickets back in the day like if tickets went on sale you'd have to wait online at the venue sometimes or you know it's uh have you ever done like a uh, black friday type thing hmm no i have not i, I don't either but uh my my parents every summer go to i don't even know how to explain it the store is actually called mckenzie like the place george is uh applying for but yeah. it's it's just like uh, like plates and chairs and stuff that have like a very specific pattern, and that's like my mom's like number one hobby. Okay, and they have like a sale on a farm upstate, which is I guess their headquarters. So they go and let's say the sale's like Friday at nine a.m. Yeah. So the first hundred people get in first, and then you could get whatever you want for let's say it's half price. So my father gets dragged, and he goes. He's a much better husband than me. He goes, and they stay there at like they sleep in like chairs on the on the grass wow to be able to get into the store 
I don't think there's anything that I like that much that I would be willing to like sleep outside to get it. Yeah, but here's the thing. Let's say your wife did. Would you, you know, then you're stuck. Would you be willing to do that? I, I guess so. I mean, I would, I would come up with a hundred ways to try and get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I would be working on, you know, talking my wife out of it. I'm like, that stuff is like, like, uh, I heard people they, that, uh, they think you're, uh, it's trashy to have that stuff. I think that people, I've heard people say that. There's been some murders in the, in the past. Though. It's very dangerous to have that stuff in the house. I've heard also. New York with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think he likes it, my dad. He like secretly complains, but you know, I think he likes it. Yeah. All right. So then we end up seeing George back at the suit store and him and the guy are both there. Bob is waiting to get the suit. He goes right to the rack. He can't find it. George goes directly to the rack where he has put it. And then he ends up getting the suit. And uh, Bob is upset about this. It's such a great move by George. I mean, it could have been foiled, of course, if the store, you know, organized the merchandise at the end of the day, like most stores probably do. But still, George with a power move here. Power move. And so Bob is upset. He says that uh, you're going to pay for this. And it's funny because, like, how does he know? It's New York City. Like, the odds of you ever seeing each other again are like 4%. Yeah. And George has a good line. He says, oh, I'll pay. Half price. <laughs> what do you think the suit cost? Oh, I don't know. Is it a thousand dollars? It costs five hundred. Uh, I don't think George is blowing five hundred dollars for a suit in ninety four. Yeah, he says, uh, "Arrivederci, my fellow forty short." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Elaine is uh, talking with Jerry, and uh, they're going through the list of uh, all the different people that could potentially have been the person who made the mannequin. Now. As you were going through this, and I sort of had forgotten who it was, um, is it bothering you at all about who who could have made the mannequin, or is it just are you feeling like it's a coincidence? No, you. I think they want the viewer to think it's coincidence, and they'll blow their mind at the end. <laughs> okay, so Elaine says that there was a blind guy at a party who felt her face for a really long time. Yeah, but how would he get the rest of her body down? I don't know. I don't know. It was the rest of her body exactly to. I mean, you'd probably have to ask George. Yeah, I, I don't think either of us studied it enough to scale. Uh, or would admit it. Yeah. So here comes George. He's wearing the suit. Everybody looks to be impressed. Even though the saleswoman, we said that she was sort of just blowing smoke. He comes in. Everybody looks legit impressed with George's suit. Yeah, I think the, the, the show makes sure to, you know, George, like George has to look good here. But as he walks in that you hear a little bit of a <laughs> as he's moving and so they think that there is some sort of a swishing sound. Yeah. And do you think the store knew that there was a swishing sound and that's why they're trying to get rid of stuff like this? Defective mm. merchandise. So the store knew and it's a little bit of like the cashmere sweater where they know there's a red dot on it and that's why it's on sale. I mean, it's possible, but I don't think that's why they have the whole sale. Like if you're I, I mean, I don't know. First of all, is this even something you could he return this suit if you wanted to? I'm not sure, especially with the sale part of it and i think right but even if he gets like that that money back like if you walk into like Murley's in lindbrook and you're like you know this is a nice suit but it makes a whooshing sound when i walk i think they're just gonna kick you out you would think he would have tried the pants on in the store yeah but he didn't hear it maybe it was like noisy in the store he tries the jacket on we don't see him try who's like oh let me hear how this pants these pants sound nobody's ever said that if it's that loud i think you would hear this like whoosh 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 coming from just thinks it's something else or he doesn't know like that's re- it's such a like a, a rare thing that it's almost not, you know, not something you're listening in for. Yeah. I How mean, much walking is he doing in this tiny store that he's going to hear it? But I mean, is George just so fat that his legs always rub together? 
Is that what's happening? Is it because, is it not a, a suit malfunction, but it's sort of George's legs making a weird noise? Yeah, his legs rubbing together is what's making the noise. I mean, couldn't he like do something? Couldn't he like put like a, a pad on, on like his thigh or something? Well, I think the thigh pad would be odd, but I feel like, can he just like walk with more of like... Right, some... you could walk differently. I don't mean like physically a pad, but even if it was like his thighs rubbing together, there's nothing you could do. Like put, I don't know. I, I don't have any ideas, but I'm sure there's something. I think what if he got like some sort of spray like a Pam and sprayed the inside of his thighs? What if he lubes up his thighs? Yeah, like, basically. It's not a bad idea. I think that could be. Been, Might have been a totally different episode. And then he, he's got the mannequin. He's like <laughs> lubing up his thighs and the mannequins in the, in the house. Yeah. Some sort of like slippery thing. Like, and like the mannequin doesn't have any clothes on and Kramer walks in. There's Kramer's subplot for you in this episode. <laughs> All right. So they end up uh, talking to George about this and uh, they tell him about that. There's this whooshing sound and uh, George is very concerned because this guy McKenzie, apparently the last guy got fired because he made some sort of like a whistling sound with his nose. Yeah, that's grounds for dismissal. (laughs) All right. So uh, it's very upsetting to George. And also here's Kramer. He comes back. And uh, he tells Jerry that Audrey was here and she was eating the apple pie. This woman is bending my mind into a pretzel. I had a pretzel uh, bread roll for lunch today. A pretzel roll? Yeah, pretzel roll. I had turkey uh, on pretzel roll. That was pretty good. It looks good, but was it, did it really like fulfill your expectations? No, it's good. It's really just the salt. Any, anything with like a lot of salt on it is really good. I, wasn't there a thing where like deli meats, there was some study in the last couple of weeks where deli meats are like really unhealthy now. Yeah, processed meats. I had turkey. I'm not sure if that counts. Okay, it wasn't processed turkey? Because I do sure. think this really hurts our American salami campaign. Oh yeah, really hurts. We're almost dead in the water. I think they said sort of like, in, in moderation, I think it's okay. Yeah, then I see, I saw someone else say, oh, it's not so bad. So I, I get all my health news from Twitter. So <laughs> right now it's at, right now we're at, it's not so bad. We have no idea. We have no idea. All right, so then some guy goes up to Elaine and says, hey, don't I know you? And uh, it says, yeah, you were wearing a, a G-string and one of those bras with the points. And then Elaine realizes the mannequin. Now, isn't this absurd? Now, is this just that the mannequin is everywhere? Even if there's 100 mannequins, why would you go over to a person and be like, you look like the mannequin? I, I mean, like this guy's a psychopath. He was staring at the mannequin and then sort of like in his mind, like, I know you from somewhere. Aren't you the person with the... Um, you know, the bra with the points. I mean, is the mannequin just sort of everywhere? Because when they go to the store, the mannequin is not as this person described it. It was, he just like in some sort of like sex shop and they had the same mannequin. I mean, I, I can't even answer it. This guy's so crazy. He's really creepy. Also very creepy guy, very creepy guy. And so then they end up going to the store and coincidentally enough, they have the mannequin posed in some sort of like 50 shades of gray type position where the mannequin is on the receiving end of a spanking. Yeah. And is this like shots fired at Elaine or they're just trying to be an edgy store? I'm not sure. It really is weird. I mean, that does the saleswoman say, oh, that woman that was in here the other day, she was such a bitch. I'll show her. Let's put our mannequin in very provocative poses and then uh, this will really upset that woman because it appears to be a just run-of-the-mill department store type place that sells suits. I'm not sure why it would be appropriate or how it would help business to see a man spanking a scantily clad woman uh, mannequin display. 
Yeah, I don't know their business strategy, but it's a little strange. <laughs> it definitely is strange. And the woman tells Elaine, hey, it's our mannequin. We can do whatever we want with it. Uh, not anymore. Yeah. And so Elaine says that Jerry is her lawyer. And so uh, they're going to p- file a lawsuit. Yeah, I do like Jerry's <laughs> talking about legal precedent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, he cites uh, Winchell versus Mahoney. Sure. The Charlie McCarthy hearings. I like that they're the hearings, the Charlie McCarthy hearings. <laughs> All right. So the woman is getting the manager. And as she goes to get the manager, uh, Elaine is going to try to steal the mannequin. She tells Jerry to get his car. And uh, Jerry has a good line. He says, Elaine, as your legal counsel, I must advise against this. How much do you think a mannequin costs? Hmm. I don't know. Probably not that expensive. I mean, I guess it really comes down to uh, what sort of function do you want the mannequin to have? Let me look on eBay real quick and uh, take a look at a mannequin. Don't buy a used mannequin. Some weirdo might be selling it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's see. This is, hmm. So, got some sort of like a plastic female mannequin. Uh, That's $57 on eBay. Uh, Female mannequin, plastic. uh, plastic realistic display head turns that's $89 so it's actually uh, less expensive than I thought yeah I mean this seems like a top of the line mannequin but yeah yeah I think that the ones that have like their arms that bend and move I think that's probably more expensive oh for sure and the, yeah the ones that are in this 50 shades of gray sort of uh, nativity scene are, are probably a lot of money <laughs> probably probably okay so then there's a shot of Jerry driving in the car with Elaine <laughs> And uh, he says to her, I'm getting the hankering for some double mint gum. Yeah. What does this mean? It's a gum commercials from like, I think the seventies and eighties where they had, it was double mint gum. They always had twins in the commercials. Oh, right. The double mint twins. Okay, fine. I thought there was like a mannequin involved. That makes sense now. So George is at lunch. And so uh, the boss Mackenzie is asking like, Hey, do you hear that whooshing sort of whooshing sound around like leaves rustling? And George is like, no, no. I don't hear anything, but definitely Mackenzie is onto it. Yeah. I mean, George at this point should just like run to the table. So nobody hears anything. <laughs> then we go back to Jerry. Who's at Poppy's Poppy's on 77th. And so uh, he goes in to confront Audrey. He wants to know, Hey, how was the pie? The pie you had at monks. Hey, Jerry does like to get obsessed with minutia, but this is really just who cares? Yeah. So he's obsessed with this. And as they're having the conversation, here comes this guy who is from the Board of Health. Now, Jerry did not call this guy. No, I, I don't believe he did, but it's a little bit questionable of where this guy came from. I mean, you know, if you have a guy who's so unconcerned about hygiene that he'll not wash his hands when he goes to the bathroom in his own restaurant when he's trying to get his employees to do so, that, you know, pees on the couch and, and you know, basically does nothing about it then I could see a lot of other sort of health things in the kitchen being lax. So Mm. I could see people complaining about it. So the health inspector is looking for Poppy and uh, Poppy comes over. I'm Poppy. And they say, I think you better come with me. And they want to know what's this is a health inspector, not the FBI. (laughs) What's the problem? And uh, Jerry gives us the very famous line. Well, Poppy's a little sloppy. Yeah, I feel like did they name him Poppy just so they could have this line? Probably. I think the same thing happened with David Ortiz. Oh, is that, is that what it is, Big Poppy? I could see him also not washing his hands after he goes to the bathroom. Oh, come on. <laughs> this, is, this is his retirement year. Well, we're not going to, you know, I have no problem with, with uh, Ortiz. Yes, you're going to offend our show recapper, Mike Moore. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry, Mike. Yes. I, it must be hard living with your undefeated football team. I'm, I'm sorry that I... <laughs> 
be nice to your baseball team that's won three times in the last decade also. <laughs> Technically, uh, it's 11 years. All right. I'll take I'll I'll take it as a Mets fan. I'll take one every 11. Anyway, so it's very odd that uh, the health department, the Board of Health, I mean, it's not like Poppy is serving up Ebola to people. I mean, they're very forceful with Poppy here. I mean, how does the how does the Board of Health guy make was this a citizen's arrest? Like what's going on here? I don't know. Uh, Jerry says later that Poppy's going away for a long time. Yeah, I don't think that's true. <laughs> like maybe a couple hours. Maybe he's got to answer some questions. Is Poppy money laundering also? There's got to be something else going on. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. Why would the Board of Health be involved in the money laundering? I'm not sure unless like Poppy is like poisoning people like and they and they know that he has like is legitimately doing that with a cause, a motive. Well, we see poisoning, you know, two minutes from now. So it's possible. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good point. It is the theme of this episode. Okay, so then we end up cutting back to George and he's having a good old laugh with Mackenzie. And he says basically that he thought that the last guy got fired because he was his nose was whistling. And Mackenzie says, no, he got fired because he wasn't a team player. And that's something that we don't joke around about here at Mackenzie. And if one person does something, everybody does something. That's right. That's right. We are conformists here. Yes. And so the waiter brings out a dessert, chocolate cream pie, compliments of the house. And so the chef said he made it special for you. And we end up seeing a fleeting glance of Bob, the guy that George beat out at the department store. I'm surprised that George was able to see him because Bob moves very quickly. Yeah, but I think Bob wanted him to, I don't know. And I guess Bob didn't want him to see, but then he never knows who, who's the cook, you yeah. know? Like he like he's he could be satisfied that he got revenge on George, but George will never know that he got one up on George. So I think he does need. But no, but then why would he want George to see him? Then George is never going to touch the pie. Well, I think that the move is I think that Bob wants to see if George takes the pie. And then I think that after George eats the pie, I think then Bob comes out. Hey, how's the pie? I got it. I, I hope you it. enjoyed that pie. I made it extra special for you. But why? Like, it doesn't even make sense. He they go to this restaurant. And and the and the waiter says, oh, this fellow George, who who is he? The, the chef made it special for you. They don't ask any follow up questions. Like, what does that mean? Does he know you? Mm. Can we come see the chef. Who's the chef? Maybe it's my friend. I think that he said you and maybe they felt like, oh, this is for Mackenzie's here. That was the royal you. It's the, the company. <laughs> right. Right. Nope. And so Mackenzie says, oh, this is so good. You have to try it. And George is shaking his head. No, if you're one of us, you'll take a bite. I think the move here is George has to say he's allergic and he's fine. Yes, I'm diabetic. Yeah, I, th I think at that point, I mean, maybe they don't want him. You know, the team players maybe aren't diabetic in their minds, but maybe. I, don't, I feel like he's got to at least try something. George is the master of lying. Why, why is he just shaking his head like Jerry did? <laughs> so we end up seeing Jerry and George after the fact. And uh, Jerry says, well, so you didn't get the job. George says no, but he was the only one at the table who didn't get violently ill. So George had no choice, no, you know, and he picked the right, he picked the right, uh, you know, why, why of the pie? It's, it's just the job. Yeah. Now Kramer, he unfortunately is no longer itchy. And so he has no more use of olive. So he needs to go and break it off with her. And so instead of just telling her that his back doesn't itch anymore, he ends up telling her that there's somebody else. Why can't he just say like, I'm sorry, you know, it just doesn't work out. Like, why does he? need to break her heart so hard like this. <laughs> I don't know. So he has to tell her that it's somebody else. And then he points to the car. First off, Jerry drives to monks. Yeah, it's a good question, right? I mean, I guess maybe they're just driving around the whole day. Like mm -hmm. normally he doesn't, but it's been a, 
crazy day, so he's got his car with him with the mannequin but in the car. But have we not established that Jerry lives very close to Monks? I mean, in what world would it make sense to drive to Monks? But Jerry's driving home from Poppy's and he's stopping at Monks. That's why the car's outside. Well, why not Jerry park at his house and then go? To, I mean, how there is no parking your house in the city. Maybe this is maybe this is the best spot he could get anyway. Is in front of Monks or like close enough? Like he just wants to pull up, or maybe there's no spots. But wh- the question is like. This is like a felony. They've stolen a mannequin. Why doesn't he not want to get this out of sight? You know, throw it in a dumpster somewhere or bring it upstairs to his house. Why is he leaving in the front seat of his car? Yeah, shouldn't the mannequin stay with Elaine, considering that she was the one that stole it? Yeah, Jerry's going to end up in jail next to Poppy if, if someone catches him. <laughs> yeah, so Kramer's like, no, that's my girlfriend in the car. And she says, no, I see you in here all the time with her. That's not your girlfriend. And no, he insists. So he goes in the car and he starts like making out with the mannequin. And then like the arms are like falling off. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah, the, the episode is a little sloppy at the end also. Yeah, really soft landing for this episode. Yes, there was a lot going on. There are a bunch of laughs. Would this be a soft I, landing or a hard landing? That's a hard question. I mean, a hard landing I, I, it sounds bad, like you're crashing. It's a hard landing. Yeah, I think that's probably more appropriate. How about like, uh, how about they missed the landing? Can we say that? They missed the landing. Yeah. Sort of like last week, it was almost like, you know, the perfect landing. This was sort of like they hit the ground way too fast with this episode. Yeah. And we talked a lot at the beginning of the series about like things that are unrealistic and slapsticky. And this isn't, you know, science fiction, but it's so slapsticky and so goofy that it doesn't totally work in the tenor of like an otherwise sort of serious episode. Is there any better way we could have ended the episode or should the part that was from the cold close, should that have been the last beat of the episode and then close it with stand up? Yeah, I think the cold close or maybe there's some sort of hand washing thing. Like, you know, Kramer comes out as like, tries to like, Oh, Hey, I didn't wash my hands. And then she, I don't know. Is there anything that we could have done with Kramer scratching his back with the mannequin's arm? Yeah, that's not bad. I feel like there could be something there. I mean, yeah, the, the last scene is just so silly with her looking at the car. Uh, it, you know, they should have just scratched the whole thing. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and then so we end up seeing in the cold clothes. I thought this was pretty good. So Elaine is talking about how she got a letter from a friend in Chicago who has also seen the Elaine mannequin. And uh, could there be more? Where are they coming from? We cut to Ricky who was the guy from the cigar store Indian, who was the TV guide collector that Elaine met in the subway, who was infatuated with Elaine. And his boss ends up complimenting him on the TR6 mannequin. And he prefers to think of her as Elaine. Elaine. Mm-hmm. Do we ever see Ricky again? No, this is it for Ricky. Is it? Is it for Ricky? Passes the torch to Poppy. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good ending. I think it's an unusual sort of like Seinfeld with a twist that like the people who were, you know, there at the studio, you know, they need to remember this this episode from a bunch of weeks ago, like for the to twist to really pay off uh, the same way. But I think it's a good job for the show to, you know, expect more from the viewers. It's, you know. Okay. All right, Akiva. So let's talk about this. If this episode happened in 2015, what would be different? Hmm. I, you know, she's going to Google the mannequins online. Mm-hmm. She's going to find the mannequins. She may even, it's not officially called the Elaine. Yeah. But I don't know. There must be, there's got, Rob, I'm sure there's a whole world of mannequins. She'd be on mannequins.com. Unless the movie got it. Well, we should really register that now in case we want to do the movie. Yeah. Let me look at mannequins.com. Um, but I think, so she's going to like, does a deep dive into the mannequin web to find, you know, to find her, her thing. Also, Jerry posts like 1,500 Yelp reviews. Yes. Mentioning that Poppy doesn't wash his hands. And yes. that really 
ends the restaurant right there and it closes. Yeah, I think once you go on Yelp in 2015, all of the things are like, yeah, I found hair in my, you know, well, maybe Poppy owns the bakery also. That would explain a lot from the black and white cookie. And I'm not like a, a, a neat freak or a complainer at restaurants. Yeah. I once went to a pizza store in Manhattan and... Uh, the guy behind the counter like made a pie and then he had like another pie coming out. So he had like too many, he didn't have enough space and he had too many pies. So he like puts the pie down like on a counter, but it wasn't like a clean counter, Mm -hmm. you know, the bottom of the pie while he's sort of like, you know, moving one pie into the oven and the third pie out, he's got like musical pie. So anyway, he puts it down. I'm like, oh, that's like gross. And he looked at me like I was crazy. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'm an idiot. But it wasn't the cleanest restaurant. It was one of those where like it took way too long afterwards. You know, you leave. And if someone doesn't clean up after himself, it takes like, you know, 15 minutes for someone to come by. So when you walk in, you know, half the tables you can't sit at unless you want to clean up yourself. One Mm -hmm. of those, which is never a good sign. Uh, And anyway, they had a C, which is the lowest grade you could get on the Board of Health, uh, you know, grades, A, B or C in New York City. And then I walked by like a week later and they'd closed. The Board of Health had closed them. Oh, boy. And they had like 40 points, like rodent droppings in the kitchen and a lot of bad stuff. And now they're totally closed, the restaurants. So. Wow. There's probably not a lot of hand washing going on. Probably not. So I think for Poppy and uh, the restaurant, I think, yeah, Yelp would definitely be an issue for them in terms of uh, what's going on. And then in terms of George in the suit, I think that that's probably uh, all, all probably exactly the same. Well, maybe he finds a better deal online, but yeah, probably. Probably. Okay. So where did you rank the pie? I, it's, an, it's an unusual episode because there are some points which would be uh, generally, you know, sort of aspects of a really like poor season two episode. Like the ending is as bad as any ending, yeah. you know, that we've had so far, but you can't penalize, you know, just like we're giving maybe too many points, to the Marine biologist for the last minute or two of the episode. Um, you can't really kill it when there's, you know, poppy sloppy is a great line. The whole scene in the bathroom is really funny. And the mannequin side plot is a good side plot. Like George seeing Elaine, you know, the mannequin topless is funny. So there's, there's a legitimate, uh, sort of legitimate, sort of uh, like array of uh, of laugh out loud lines. So I say this is right in the middle of this episode, and I put it at ninety seven. I think it's probably a little low on the pie. I think I'd have it a little higher, but uh, I can't quibble too much. The mannequin storyline is almost like there's a great beginning and middle, and sort of like a cute end as opposed to something that's you know a really funny ending to the story. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quibble if somebody has like this episode, you know, at forty or or much higher. I would be fine with that. Yeah. Okay, so Akiva, it's time to dip into the Seinfeld <laughs> mailbag. We got a lot of email about the last episode. I, like, I think we're at the point where um, we probably can't read all the messages that we get. Like, we've tried to do the best that we can, but we probably, like, unless we're going to do, like, a, you know, two-hour and 30-minute podcast, we're probably at that point where it's getting harder to read everything we get. Yeah, so if you write in one week and we don't read it, don't get discouraged. Just write a better email the next week. <laughs> Now, what was the response that you read uh, via email and in the comments to Chester's appearance last week? I feel like it was it was mixed. You know, somebody said uh, he really liked Chester. Another person said Chester sounds exactly like Tristan Cockroft, who is one of these ESPN fantasy guys. Okay, I feel like his voice is less nasally um, in person, but it it came off very nasally on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, And then somebody said no more Chester. Okay. At least one person. So he's fine with the haters, I think. You know, it was a mixed bag. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what, what also happened, Rob, is like a bunch of other people now think that they're going to come on for their favorite episode. Yes. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, and also it helps if you if over the last 80 weeks you've written us 80 emails, that probably helps your chances of coming <laughs> on 
to talk, you know. Don't, don't start right. with episode 79 and expect to come on in episode 83. Right. All right. So let's dip into the mailbag. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Let's start off with uh, Real BG Low, who said, Hey, Robin Akiva, immediately when the episode starts, Jerry and this woman, Audrey, are eating and she refuses to have some pie. I'm wondering if you could discuss how Audrey's mannerisms in the scene are similar to the woman Jerry dated a few episodes back when she refused to share toilet paper with Elaine. That was the first thing that popped into my head. It's not a bad call. What was that, Jane? Jane that wasn't sharing the toilet paper? She couldn't spare a square? Yeah, it's, it's right. It's more like physical reaction than saying anything. So I hear what he's saying. Yeah, I think that you could also make the parallel to uh, George with the suit, with the uh, cashmere sweater. Also, uh, where George is like buying something that's a discount, but has a defect and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, similar. She, we, we never found out why that woman did not want to spare a square. No, you know, we, you know, the motivations of the non-core four sometimes are not so important. Here's an email from Kale who wants to know, the pie was a solid episode, but Kramer gets a back itch storyline is just ridiculous. Has it ever been established that Kramer likes to watch TV without his shirt on? Or does this further support that Kramer is on drugs theory? And why does the itch last for so long? I mean, you could have like a bacterial infection. You could have like a permanent itch until you get rid of it. <laughs> also, Kale wants to know, why do you think George would give up on the job at McKenzie's just so he wouldn't get sick? Seems out of character to me. Would the George character willingly get violently ill to get the job that he wants? He would, but you know what he wouldn't do? He wouldn't be one-upped by the chef in the kitchen. Mm, that's right. He's got too much pride. <laughs> that is fair. That's very fair. And we had a really great smug George when he ends up getting the suit jacket. I mean, oh yeah, that, that you know, maybe I should have knocked that up 10 places just for the, you know... Yeah, I'll pay half price line. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's check in with our attractive woman correspondent who happens to be named Elaine as well. She said, hey, dudes, what's going on? I was cracking up listening to your most recent episode when you talked about the episode I went to a taping of the marine biologist. And I loved it when you mentioned me. Yes, I'm real, Akiva. More on that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she says, I'm so totally excited that even though I didn't get to be on the podcast yet, You mentioned that all it really takes to be a guest like Chester is being persistent. And here I was having given up on that. Actually, I wanted to be your first guest other than the Seinfeld writers that you have on. I was hoping to wow you with so many anecdotes. If you had me on, for example, I was at the taping of the Marine biologist that director Tom Sharonis told everybody in the studio audience to stop clapping for Kramer when he entered because it was throwing everyone's timing off. But some people still did. So, Kramer at the marine biologist is that's when people had to be told to stop or is that I think from what I've read that they were probably doing this the whole fourth season to you know until the audience stopped and stopped being a thing because I'm sure for the last five six seven episodes now they've probably been you know having the director come out and tell them to stop clapping to you know get the the fans used to it and I didn't say if you ask a million times you get to be on the episode by the way (laughs) I'm not sure we ever said that. I'll have to listen to the tape. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, that Elaine has uh, some, is still applying to uh, be on the podcast. Listen, keep it up. Chester did, you know, 80 weeks. I want to see, we want to see, you know, uh, we want to see a lot of effort. What is the move? Uh, uh, like, let's just sort of like, uh, this is now we've uh, opened Pandora's box. If somebody oh. really wants to be on the podcast at a certain point, 
I mean, what is the criteria? They have to like sort of like notify us well ahead of time. Yes, that's for sure. And give us the reason why they would be a good person for that unique episode. I will say I was at the taping of this legendary episode is a very good reason, Mm -hmm. but it's too late now. When we swing back around and do the marine biologist again (laughs) in five years, then we could talk. Um, I, but I, I think that's a joke, by the way. (laughs) What is it? Was that like a Sisyphus with the boulder? Well, you did once say we should just the the week. It would be really funny the week after episode one eighty. We just like people are like, "Hey, what are you going to do next?" Like, I don't know, probably nothing. And then we just start again with with episode one, like nothing ever happened. Yeah, <laughs> and that, and also like we never saw it before. Yeah, like pretending like this is all new, which in, it will be by then. In we'll fairness, like it would be good to then like now that we've done our rewatch to do a second rewatch and say like, "Oh, we didn't even realize at that point that that was that guy." Sure, I'd say if if like time was infinite, it's a very funny idea. <laughs> Maybe we should at least do the pilot again. Yeah, we could do the pilot again. We could do one episode. Um, but yeah, what, so what's the rule as to your question? Yeah. If somebody really has something, you know, if somebody really has a reason why, like, if you're on that episode, for sure, give us, you know, give us an email. and uh, It also helps if you knew Akiva in real life. <laughs> I guess. And you are the co-host of another podcast with him. Right. It helps if you're, I'm gonna, I think Amir will get his favorite episode. He'll be able to go on also. Okay. If you've been emailing us, you know, for for a year and a half at this point, probably better. But, you know, keep it up. I'm sure, uh, you know, we'll do a whole we'll do a whole super fan episode maybe one. Time. And the other thing, I think we're going to make the person listen to the whole podcast on mute the whole time. So then they can come in and they won't have to uh, repeat anything that we've already said. I, that was the funniest part of the whole Chester thing, though. <laughs> he just repeated everything we said. <laughs> no it's a thing it's a, it's a thing when I do like the Survivor podcast too where it's like yeah no, actually I already talked about this in the first part so it, it's definitely a thing All it right. also separates you know the people who really want it because you have to be on the you know th- this takes us seven hours and we just narrow, we just edit it down to two so you have to really you have to really you know uh, want to be listening the whole time yeah alright take, take the day off of work here's Johnny Silvera, and uh, he says that uh First off, the incident with the pie was based on a real incident that was told to the writers by Jerry himself. Yeah, but I don't think he ever got an answer either as to why he shouldn't try the pie. <laughs> okay, and then uh, this is a question uh, from Johnny. He says that, uh, were you two like me and shown this in health class numerous times in high school because of Poppy not washing his hands? I think I saw it in that class alone three or four times. They're using this footage to educate in Canada. Well, I, I don't know what's going on in Canada. I thought they were like more healthy than Americans who are, mm. you know, sometimes fat. Yeah. But I, I, they show you this three or four times. Like, didn't you guys at the point the first time? I have so many <laughs> questions, Johnny. It's in health class. First of all, I would have loved to see Seinfeld in any class. They really wanted to drive the point home. See, see, kids, look what happens. You don't wash your hands, and then you get arrested by the Board of Health. We had a health class because it's mandatory. You have to have one semester of health in New York State for high school. So it's like one semester of art, one semester of music, and one semester of health. The health class was taught, but they don't like, what do you do? Like for music, you have to bring in like a special music teacher, right? And art. But for health, you just find some schmo in the building. So we had... We had a rabbi. Uh, I liked him, but he like wasn't probably qualified to teach health. He was overweight. Uh, he smoked, mm-hmm. and so he literally shows up the first day, and he says, uh, "Smoke reds, lights will kill you," or the opposite. I forget what it was. And he's like, "All right, there's no curriculum. We're just gonna have a good time." Wow. So I don't know, like with health, you know, <laughs> that was I, maybe maybe Johnny's was actually a more serious class. They watched Seinfeld three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> sounds like the teacher did not really have an agenda. It was just like, all right, uh, we're watching Seinfeld today. All right, uh, okay, we're going to learn about washing your hands. Today we're going to watch uh, the pie episode of Seinfeld, and uh, tomorrow we're going to watch it again. <laughs> my, my other memory from that class, and this is, you know, maybe uh, 1999 or something, is he didn't, the rabbi didn't have a uh, computer at home in 1999, or he didn't have like uh, internet or something, or he wasn't computer savvy. So you, there was a school rule where you couldn't write your test and photocopy it. He had to type his test and like email it or give it in ahead of time. So he went over to a kid in the class and, and said, oh, you're just going to make, this is health class. Everyone's getting an A anyway. So the kid wrote our final. It was 25 questions. So the kid typed it up. Wow. But someone told the principal. It ended up being pretty ugly. But uh, anyway, it was uh, the health class was not the most serious class I was ever in. Okay. Let's take a few more emails. Uh, let's check in with James. James says, hi, guys. Just had my own hot take about the Elaine plots. Since Elaine seems to be the most rational of the four people, uh, her plots are mostly a function of who she's with. The more zany her partner, the more funny she becomes. Once she gets paired up with Putty and Jay Peterman, her stories become much stronger versus the subpar foils she has in Mr. Pitt and Lipman, who are fairly lame. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a good point. I do think Elaine is, is a little bit like Jerry in which she's a product of her environment. It's not a bad point, James. Okay. So good job uh, there by James uh, with the Elaine hot take. Uh, this is from Garrett. And Garrett says, Robin Akiva, overall, I thought this was an average episode. The most interesting takeaways are an observation that Kramer's Kavorka has seemingly been the subject of half the episodes in season five, even getting Olive to love scratching his back. Also, the monologue is interesting when Jerry is talking about the pro-mannequin organization hypothetically complaining about what they are considering uh, one of Jerry's talking points today about rampant political correctness. For more pressing matters, I submit myself as a potential competing or even additional millennial correspondent. I'm 18, but I don't interact with many millennials or even have social media as I likely spend too much time listening to Seinfeld recap podcasts. Now, does that make somebody a good correspondent to be a our millennial correspondent? No, it sounds like you'd be more of like a podcast correspondent. I hope this doesn't disqualify me as the potential benefits to hiring me is that I, much like Jack Jabarino, the charismatic leader of the workout craze, the movement, I was childhood friends with Steve Jobs and do work with helping uh, jungle children. You guys do a fantastic show and I look forward to it every week. Nice, Garrett. Yeah, good work. <laughs> good work there. Yeah, listen, we can never have too many millennial correspondents. We're looking for that 18 to 34 demographic because, Rob, that's where the sweet advertising money comes in. <laughs> right now we're getting like the, the CBS, you know, CSI, you know, yes. uh, CSI Omaha money. Right now mm -hmm. we, we want, we want the, you know, we want who, who are the 18 to 34? Yeah. We want like audible.com. <laughs> I don't know. Who, who are they advertising for? Yeah. The problem is though, we're doing a podcast about a sitcom that aired between uh, 1989 and 1998. So this is, you're saying this wasn't the best business strategy on our part. <laughs> <laughs> so you're looking for a demographic that uh, was in elementary school when the show we're talking about aired. Hmm. That's a good point. Tricky. All right. Here's Edward in Australia. He says, first off, Rob, congratulations on the birth of your new son, Anthony. Even if this isn't true, I'd love to think that you named him that one day to be able to pop your collar and exclaim, Tony, hey, Tony, just as Jerry did in the stall. Did you name your son after anybody? No, it was just a name that we both yeah, you know, liked. The thing with the second kid is you're like out of like important yeah. names a lot of times. Well, we were kind of relieved when it wasn't a girl because we didn't have any girls names for both times. Like we really liked Dominic for, for the boy. 
And then uh, we really were stumped on a second name. What about Rob Jr.? We thought about it, but I just feel like to me, that was a little bit of, I I think it's sort of like a, uh, there's a bit of arrogance in my mind because it's like, oh, what am I so great that I have to name another person after me? And it's sort of like, if I'm like a, a re, if I get like really screw up, like I don't want to like put this on somebody sure. else. Like I want them to have their own identity. No, if you really screw up, it's still going to be on him. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I just felt like bad about it. It's almost like, no, it's I, a good point. I do think like I would never do it. It's, it's such a, like a, you have to be very self-confident. Like, oh yeah, he wants to be another one of me to pull that off. But also I had two girls. So when we had our third kid, if we had a girl, like we were literally just going to like pick names out of a hat. We had nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Even for the second one, we were scrambling, you know? Yeah. And so uh, it's a, a good Italian name, and we both liked it. And uh, that's ultimately where we went. I, I believe it's also uh, Nicole's father's middle name. And there's a, a, you know, a lot of Anthony's in my family. So. And yeah. so it's a good name to yell. I feel like if you're mad at him, like, Anthony, yeah. that's a good yell it's name. Good, yeah, it's, very, it's a very good Italian name to be yelling. And if, you know, and the kid, and you also have options because he could be Tony. He could be Tony. We're not going to call him Tony. If, if he grows up and he wants his friends to call him Tony, then that's, that's uh, his agenda. Okay. So Edward also says, I'd also like to thank both of you for your recommendation of Nathan for you. I was somewhat skeptical at the first, uh, given the lavish praise you gave it, but that was eradicated pretty quickly. Nathan for you is a masterpiece of modern television. Uh, keep up the great work, Edward. Yeah, we're not going to steer you wrong with TV. I feel like if there's one thing we know, it's television. That okay. might be the only thing we know. <laughs> yeah, Nathan for you is really great. I feel like that. I think we reached some sort of a Nathan for you tipping point in these last couple of weeks. Yeah, we were real. We got a lot of people to watch the show. Have you have you caught up completely? No, I was trying to uh, get my wife to watch more episodes and like binge watch it as uh, she was in labor, and she was like, "No, yeah, that's over now. Now she's got two kids, so she's never watching." He's anything. annoying. I, I, that he reminds me of you. He's annoying. Oh, yeah. Oh, he reminds me of you. That's never a good thing. Yeah. To hear. Now, my wife has the worst taste in it. Like, uh, like, you know, you ask her about people who aren't funny. She'll say, oh, like, oh, Louis C.K. He's not funny. Nathan. <laughs> Aziz is not funny. He's not funny. Yeah. Anybody who's really funny, like show them to my wife. Um, me. Uh, does she like Seinfeld? N- not really. No. Yeah. My wife is a friends person more than Seinfeld. But I, I have no, I cannot watch anything. We have no. Uh, I was going to say, we have nothing in common in general, but we have no shows in common for sure. Like she watches Suits, Grey's Anatomy, and The Big Bang Theory. Those mm-hmm. are the three shows my, watch, my yeah. wife watches. My wife and I have very few comedy uh, similar tastes where it's like, if anything, it's like there'll be something that she thinks is funny and I can like tolerate it. Like, uh, like the Goldbergs or like Modern Family or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, Nathan for you. Although my wife did chuckle at Nathan for you. She thought it was funny. She hated review, but she was fine with Nathan for you. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into Amir. Amir says, you have to credit uh, Seinfeld on the subtle callback uh, to last week's episode. At the end of The Marine Biologist, Jerry introduces us to Golden Boy's son, Baby Blue. In the opening scene, uh, we see Jerry in the pie wearing Baby Blue, indeed establishing it as his new go-to shirt. What a catch there. (laughs) I mean, he's screen grabbing stuff. I mean, this this is how you get on the show, guys. Amir also says it's bizarre for Seinfeld to randomly have another cashier when we've always seen Ruthie Cohen there uh, and will continue to do so throughout the series. It seems contrived for them to get this story into the plot. They could have made Olive a waitress or a random person at Monk. So this bothered Amir. I think I, I think the Ruthie Cohen thing is in the fans heads. I don't think it was something the show really was, you know, something they cared about. 
And then finally, Amir says, what kind of restaurant is Poppy's that it serves both pizza and duck that needs to be ordered two days in advance? Does that make any sense? Are there places with those kind of options? I do love like pizza and duck are really, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum. I was joking with Amir after I saw that email. Kosher restaurants like to like try and please everybody. So they'll serve like every kosher restaurant, whether it's a pizza restaurant, whether it's a steakhouse, will always serve sushi. I don't know why. It's just a thing. Hmm. So there, there's always so it's almost like a diner, except that there's it has to be either di- uh, meat or dairy. You know, you won't have both in the same restaurant. That's the only thing stopping every kosher restaurant from having both pizza and duck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it could be just like a really upscale place, and I think that you could have like some like very nice restaurant that also makes like you know twenty six dollar pizzas and stuff like that. So that might be what's going on here with pop. Now, you you always regret getting the super expensive pizzas, no? Yeah. There was a place that I was going to order pizza from uh, for my wife when we were at the hospital. And it was like this really fancy schmancy place. And it was like, you know, like the small like margarita pizza was like 18 or 19 dollars. I forget it. It's always annoying because but when you when you're thinking about what to order and then you order pizza, it's like, really, we could have just gone to the pizza store and gotten better pizza for a third of the price. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up here with Chester, who says. Because the other two awkward refusers refuse based on their fear of germs, is it safe to assume that's why Audrey refuses as well? What do you think? I mean, germs is definitely a possibility, but I feel like they need to give us more of a, you know, why wouldn't they just tell us? Like, that ties into the story. Well, here's a question that I have for Chester that he can ask uh, his wife, or at least uh, maybe our Australian uh, medical correspondent could weigh in on this. Poppy doesn't wash his hands when he goes to the bathroom. He makes the pizza. He needs the dough. Dough goes into super hot pizza oven. Do any relevant germs die in the pizza oven so that the whatever, you know, just like raw meat, you couldn't eat it if it was just raw meat, but you cook it. And then the germs and the microbes that are bad for you all go away because of the heat. Would you be okay? I think the answer is probably yes, right? So I think then Jerry could have eaten the pizza without any sort of worry. Yeah, this is like a five second rule type thing taken to the extreme. Like we're putting this in the oven. Yeah. So I think that Jerry would have been fine. Yeah. From a bite from the pizza. Sure. Yeah. And then uh, Chester then throws out this theory because he says, on the other hand, if you're willing to fool around with somebody, then it's a bit (laughs) hypocritical to not want (laughs) to eat their pie and share their fork. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe at this point it's over. He's not he's not touching that mouth anymore. Yeah. Also, uh, then Chester says, George doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would recognize an expensive suit. On the other hand, we know from uh, the subway in 1991, he spent 350 on a suit from Mo Ginsburg. That would be over six hundred dollars today. Yeah, my guess was the suit was seven fifty cut down to three seventy five. Then finally, Chester says, Elaine tells Jerry to get the car. We know the store is local because Kramer and George both walk there. Why the hell is Jerry driving the car? They need the mannequin in the car uh, for the later plot device, but there's no reason why someone would drive around the Upper West Side like that. It's frustrating how half the show talks about how impossible it is to find a parking spot in Manhattan, and the other half the time the characters casually drive their car around the neighborhood. Now we get it. You live in, we, you live in Manhattan still, Chester. <laughs> and he wants to throw shade at the Upper West Side. <laughs> there you go. Akiva, what's the hashtag for this episode? I mean, so we don't like uh, just on the point episode hashtags like poppy sloppy type things, right? I mean, if it's something that's super iconic, I I don't mind it. I prefer when it's something about us. Right. 
Uh, so I don't pay attention to what I say. So what did we say in this episode? That's, you know, we don't want to have like Euro trash as the hashtag. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we came up with any sort of. <laughs> what about like the mannequin movie? Is there anything from the mannequin movie? Uh, <laughs> com. Is, well, what, okay so what if it's a uh, mannequin but uh make the uh, m-a-n capitalized for the mannequin reboot yeah okay fine mannequin with a capitalized m-a-n yeah that's that's, <laughs> what, that's what were the results of your poll for this week rob oh very good thank you for reminding me so uh, I tweeted out the link to uh, the podcast earlier this week and I asked uh, our listeners what's the best fake job architect or marine biologist Akiva you spoiled uh, no, I, 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 I voted, but I'm not spoiled. Okay. What do you think people said? Because, I mean, we're talking about the marine biologist. You mentioned that we're, that's the episode there, right? Okay. So I think it has to be marine biologist. It is marine biologist. Okay. We'll call, call it. What's the uh, percentage? 60, 40 marine biologist. It is uh 62, 38 in favor of oh, the no. marine biologist. I mean, architect's not a bad fake job, yeah. but, uh, and I don't think you're going to do a poll every week. Oh, I'll do if, a poll every week. Cause I, oh, I think well, this listen. could be a new fun game uh, for us. I do like I, it. I, I, I like give it. you the over under fine, but I, I really like that. But, um, I, I think next week has to be simple. It needs to be, cause this is the pie. I think we need a cake versus pie, <laughs> but uh, that's what you want to do. What's better cake or pie. I mean, you could do whatever you want, but to me, I want to know the results. And anyone who votes for cake obviously should just stop listening and unfollow us and whatever. But I feel like it should be a discussion point from the episode as opposed to something that's just sort of like tangential. Oh, I got a good one. Do you wash your hands after using the bathroom? I think that people will think I'm some sort of a sicko uh, yeah, for having to ask that. I think people. The will, thing about not washing his hands also is like, if you don't do that when someone's looking, there's no way you've ever done it in your life, right? Right. Because 90% of the time, nobody's lo- see, you know, looking to see if you wash your hands. At least then you should be doing it. You should. All right. Is it, Paul, is it racist, racist to call a random Russian person Natasha? <laughs> yes. Yes. Vote yes or yes. Yes. All right. Akiva, next week, what are we talking about? Okay. Next week, we have the stand-in. We get to meet another uh, great side character, Mickey. Okay. Mickey, come into the podcast next week. How many episodes into season five are we at this point? Uh, we are two-thirds of the way done next week. We're 16 out of 24 done. Oh, my God. Look at us. Yeah, we got, uh, we, got, we got a double coming up. We have a really strong end uh, to season five. So we got plenty of good stuff coming soon. Yeah. Are we breaking it all over the holidays? We're going straight through? I mean, if you need to break, I mean, I'm not a big hey, I'm like, not, Christmas I'm not guy. doing anything. I got, I got no plans. <laughs> I could right. do, I, by, I, by the way, I misspoke. It's, 20, it's 16 out of 22. So we're even closer uh, to being finished. Okay, no, so- I don't think so. I mean, I celebrate Thanksgiving, but that's on Thursday. We do this on Wednesday. I don't need to prepare for Thanksgiving. So are we finishing up season five? Because we got a double episode coming up soon, right? Yes, the raincoats. So are we finishing up season five in 2015? Um, I, I think in theory, I think it would be, yeah, the last week in December. No, the first week in January. Because the first week in January. Oh, okay. Because we already, this week is already out. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Getting, getting there. We're getting there. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, who made it uh, this far into the show. We always appreciate uh, our very loyal and dedicated listeners who uh, listen to us ramble about a 23-year-old uh, TV sitcom episode every single week. So uh, thank you guys all so much. Thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who edits this uh, show down. And basically, uh, we present him with just this, uh, basically, this big block. And he sort of chisels out, ultimately, what you guys uh, uh, hear, a la Michelangelo. Yeah, I was thinking, I, I couldn't name any artists, but it's more of like an abstract painting and he's got to turn it into uh, something more, you know, normal. <laughs> and then also thanks to Mike Moore, 
uh, who writes our uh, recaps unless he got too offended by your David Ortiz uh, commentary. Uh, Patriots are losing the Bills this week, Mike Moore. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Leave your comments on postshowrecaps.com. And then also, uh, we'd love to get your honest feedback at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes because it helps more and more people find the show. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Take care.